What would you do if you got scammed? Would you suffer in silence or would you do something about it? Well, I got scammed once and this is the story of what I did. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, a true crime podcast from The Ringer. And for seven episodes, we're hunting a con man, a guy with a lot of aliases, a guy who's ruined a lot of weddings. And with the help of some friends, I just might be able to catch him. Listen to The Wedding Scammer on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Trial by Content. It's the podcast where we force our favorite pop culture to compete in the coliseum of contentious opinion so we can all decide what wins. Each week, your three humble hosts will debate a pop culture topic, set specific rules, and rumble until a consensus is reached. Then, with input from you, the listener base, we'll smash together our nominations with yours and determine a four-nominee poll that will enter Trial by Content and decide the winner for all time. Hello, I'm Dave Gonzalez. Oh, hello, and I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Neil Miller. This week, every time any of the three of us use our podcasting powers, we swap places, which is only going to really be a problem for Carlos's editing job. That's because we're living this week's theme as we dig into exactly what a body swap movie is, what charms, tropes, and foibles make up the genre of fiction, and which one is the best body swap movie. That is, if we could convince each other that our choices are actually body swap movies. But first, we have the results of last week's poll for best animated series for adults. We had four comedy forward polls, choices on last week's poll, which I think is great. I think these are all great animated series. Uh, But having uh, watched uh, a little bit more anime from last week to this week, I do want to acknowledge. Yeah. I do want to acknowledge uh, that there are adult animated series that uh, didn't necessarily make our discussion, but don't worry about it because let's break down who wins this side of both ponds, I guess. How do you talk about the Atlantic and the Pacific at the same time? Doesn't matter. (laughs) Coming in for best animated series for adults, number four of four is Joanna Robinson's pick of Harley Quinn. (laughs) She got 15.5% of the vote. That's that's more than a Knights of Neil showing. Yeah. When I when I checked it on Sunday, it was at like seven percent. So we we scratched our way above ten, which is all that matters. <laughs> In a third place with twenty three point two percent of the vote is Neil Miller's pick, Bob's Burgers, which had another fantastic episode this week. Oh man, another great one. <laughs> In second place was the listener pick of BoJack Horseman with 25.3% of the vote. Very strong showing, but not enough 
to beat me on top once again with South Park and 36% of the vote. It's no over 50% of the vote that Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice got me, but (laughs) it is a pretty healthy win, so I'll be kicking off this week's debate section. Sure. It would have, Dave, it would have done a lot better if it would have been a poll in the Pandaverse itself. That's true. Uh, I'm glad Neil has caught up with South Park. (laughs) Love it. Uh, If you want to see movies that we mentioned on this week's podcast or other weeks that we debate movies, you go to letterboxd.com slash trial by content there. You can see the list of all the movies we mentioned on the podcast, even if they didn't make the final poll. uh, If you decide to get mad at us, maybe go there first and make sure we didn't talk about it. Otherwise, you know, you're going to do you anyway. Uh, And just a heads up for next week, in honor of the new Hunger Games prequel, we will be debating the most unnecessary prequel of all time, which is hilarious because I've actually heard good pre-reviews of the Hunger Games movie. Is this just from David Ehrlich, though? Uh, One other person besides David Ehrlich, but primarily David (laughs) Ehrlich, who shouldn't like this. this David Ehrlich has decided this movie is better than anything Hunger Games has ever done. So, grain of salt. We uh, usually try to fit in some worsts into our yearly schedule because that is as fun to debate as the best. This is close to that. The most unnecessary prequel of all time. Movies, lots of those. TV series, some of those. We're just looking for the most unnecessary. Make your case in an email to trialbycontent at gmail.com. But we aren't done with housekeeping yet. Joanna, What's going on on your side of the pre-trial discussion? It is time to plug that tour. Dave and I are almost done traveling all around uh, to promote this book we wrote, MCU Cole in the Random Marvel Studios. However, we have at least two more stops. Actually, three-ish. Okay, four-ish. Okay, so anyway, we'll be in Austin, Texas this weekend, as will our pal Neil Miller because he lives there. So we'll be there for the Texas Book Festival. We're doing a signing on Sunday at um, 10 a.m. is our panel, 11 a.m. is our signing. At the Texas Book Festival, you don't have to buy tickets. You can just wander in. That's how the Texas Book Festival works. So 11, November 12th, Texas Book Festival, we will be doing that. But on 11-11, the day before, the Saturday, we were doing something wild and informal, which is that we're just going to do a podcast listener meetup, informal podcast listener meetup in Austin, Texas. Um, We will be at TLC Austin, which is in the South Lamar, what is it called? Union? The Lamar Union. Yeah, by the South Lamar Draft House. Right by the South Lamar Draft House. We will be there from six to eight. So we will be there on Saturday for happy hour. It's not technically happy hour because it's the weekend, but we will be there from from six to eight at TLC Austin. And then at eight o'clock, the three of us have tickets over at South Lamar to go see The Marvels, uh, a movie that we will be talking about today on the podcast. So if you want to go watch a movie, we'll we'll be across the street at eight o'clock. We have our tickets. You can go ahead and buy yours. <laughs> we are three of the five people that have tickets it's for that very, showing at this point. It's a very small theater and hardly any of the tickets have been sold yet. So you could have an intimate screening experience with Dave, Neil, and Joanna if you want. And if no one shows up, we're just going to have a great time, uh, you know. Hanging out for the first time in like four years in person. Since the pandemic? Oh, gosh, Neil, that makes me so sad. Anyway, delighted. Actually, makes me excited and delighted. So hopefully we will see you Sunday at our signing. We'd love to see you Saturday at the meetup. Um, TLC Austin's just like a really fun kind of informal get some grub and some uh, drinks kind of place. So um, fun thing to do. 
Also, on November 15th, if all goes according to plan, I will be doing a Q&A after a screening of the Marvels at the Alamo in San Francisco. Um, what time, you may ask? Let's just double check and confirm that with the album before I announce which screening. But um, I think it's the eight o'clock screening. It might be the six o'clock. Anyway, let's let's not buy tickets yet. Let's just wait till Joanna puts something on social media. So just keep your eyes peeled if you're a Bay Area. If you weren't able to make it to the Cape and Cowell event um, that we had in Oakland, I, I'll be there and I'll have a special guest with me doing a Q&A at the Marvel screening Alamo Draft House next week, 11.15, allegedly. And then last but not least... Dave and I are going to be going to the Netherlands for Dutch Comic-Con. And we have panels on November 18th and November 19th in um, in Utrecht. Utrecht. Uh, in, the, in the Netherlands. Um, and then we rest. I think we're home <laughs> after that. That's the plan. Um, before we get into the Marvels and, and Swap and Bodies and all this other stuff that we're going to talk about today, Neil, is it time for a movie bet? Check in. I was not expecting to have to do another movie bet check in until closer to the end of the year, but a movie has come along that is challenging our status quo as we speak. Uh, We wanted to see what the effect of the release of the Taylor Swift, uh, the era, another interesting punctuation, because I think it's Taylor Swift, then like a dividing line. Then the Eras Tour, it's not a comma or a semicolon or a colon, it's wild. Um, but we wanted to see because the, the Taylor Swift concert film was released uh, was a couple weeks back. Uh, and it has can a 99. I, yeah. Before you give me stats, can I give a dramatic reading of this text message exchange? You look yes. really good in it, Neil. <clears throat> <laughs> I say, should we do a movie bet check-in factoring in the Eras movie? And Dave goes... <laughs> Has Eras made that much this quickly? And then Neil goes, we can definitely do a movie bet check-in. So Neil, where are we on the movie bet check-in? <laughs> well, I plugged uh, the Taylor Swift movie in, and with its 99 Rotten Tomatoes critic score, its 98 audience score, they really love that Taylor Swift, and its 83 Metacritic score, combined with its now $166 million domestic box office take, it's in second behind Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. It has uh, jumped, leapfrogged over Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, Barbie, Super Mario Brothers, and a lot of the other big movies of the year. Oppenheimer, John Wick 4, we talked about these sort of being the movies that uh, we sort of missed, I guess, in our movie bet. But yeah, the Taylor Swift, and I've done a little bit of the math. If the Taylor Swift movie gets to like $290 million, it will have moved up enough to beat Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. So <laughs> at this point, it is it is about whether or not the Taylor Swift movie has legs. Uh, so yeah, and by the end of the year, we'll I'll do a more uh, intense on my like extended edition where I include a bunch of other stats that we may use for next year's bet. But uh, under the current criteria, Taylor Swift is now in second. Dave, how do you feel? I feel uh, like. Maybe before we do 2024's big movie event, we should discuss the weighting of audience scores. Sure. Uh, because what's what's the point in making over a billion dollars in box office if the your critics are going to say uh, hey, it's no good? 
It is only second in audience score for the movies that we're tracking behind Sound of Freedom, which is nowhere near the top 10, but has a 99%, uh, almost certainly astroturfed audience score. Uh, So it's not the only thing, but the, the fact that critics and audiences and even the Metacritic critics seem to only love the Taylor Swift movie is is really helping it. We should say that the Eras Tour movie has made, you know, a significant amount of money only playing on certain nights of the week. It's not playing every night. It's not playing multiple shows. Oh, that's day. interesting. It's playing like, I think it plays Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or something like that. Like it doesn't play all every day of the week. Um, and also it's running through January. So I feel like, Oh man, she, she might get there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is already out earned mission impossible dead reckoning by a million dollars, which is wild. Um, it's very close to out earning John wick four already only within a couple of weeks. So the power Taylor, of Taylor Swift, Allison Swift, what else, what else are you going to do when you go home for the holidays? If not, Watch the Taylor Swift era store with your family. She's, she's crushing it at the box office. <laughs> she's uh, single-handedly caused a surge in the sales of Travis Kelsey, uh, Kansas City Chiefs jerseys. She's doing a lot of stuff And right we now. should say it's not over because the Beyonce concert is coming out into theaters as well. I oh, forget yeah. what the premiere date of that is, but um, Beyonce could come for all of our lunches as well. So That know. is December 1st, uh, Bayzilla Day. Where both oh, yeah. uh, Godzilla minus one <laughs> and the Beyonce concert film go out. Guess which one I had tickets to first? It was the Beyonce concert film. <laughs> I like Bazilla so much more than I liked Barbenheimer, and I liked Barbenheimer, but uh, it's way better than Saw Patrol. If yeah, we're doing fuck, the themed week, Saw Patrol. Yeah, um, <laughs> Bazilla right, so rules. Bazilla has a whole month to also make her mark. Uh, so if I have to lose, I've been winning for a while. This movie bet. If I have to lose at the end of the day to Taylor Allison Swift. And Beyonce, Carter Knowles, I will happily do so, ladies. In the year, I consider this Barbie's revenge. Um, so <laughs> thank you for coming through. Yeah, I mean, if there's if there's anyone who can put up $300 million with a concert film in the last four weeks of the year, it's Beyonce. So remind me, we are um, tub-thumping, all three of us, if uh, this happens? We're tub-thumping on the week of our worst thing we've seen yeah. in 2023 episode, which will be our final episode of the year. Like, should we, we should tub-thump to kick off, like, the beginning of the episode starts with us tub-thumping, and then we have to do the rest of the episode with all of that in our system, right? I sure, mean, why not? It, it definitely begins with at least Neil and I tub-thumping based on the, part, uh, the parts of the bet. If you're still in first place, you are welcome to join us, but as is your right... Sure. You just have you to decide have to if, if ethically you'll take the victory, even if Beyonce and Taylor beat you. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I think if if mine is not in first place, none of us win. I think right. that's I think All that's right. it. So I mean, go it'll ahead still be in Taylor first place among to. our choices. Yes. But. And I will hold, I will hold that honor, but I will tub thump with the rest of you if Taylor and Beyonce beat me. So. And I will, I will say, thank you, ma'am. May I have another? All right. <laughs> the goal and rules of this trial today, we're here to gather here today to determine the best body swap movie. And also, as Dave alluded to, what is a body swap movie is on the debate today. Now, sometimes we do these debates on trial by content, and they're not really a debate. They're like, oh, your choice is nice. Oh, your choice is nice. Oh, that's such a good choice. Oh, we all came together and picked really nice choices. Not today. 
my friends, because <laughs> Neil Miller has decided to pick something I vehemently object to. So when we get down to the debate itself, um, we will be arguing what constitutes a body swap movie. Um, no more hints, though, if you listen to the end of last week's episode, you know what's coming. All right. We are inspired today by the Marvels, which is not, to be clear, a body swap movie. This is a movie where our three uh, stars, the three leading ladies of the Marvels, their bodies swap places, but their minds stay inside their bodies. So if that makes sense, they're always themselves. They just sometimes move around in different places as they use their powers because their powers become, I believe the technical term is, entangled. So uh, Dave and I saw the Marvels last night. Neil has, is going to see it with us this weekend in Austin. I'm really excited for that. Um, so Dave, do you want to just start with like your overall the Marvels impressions? Yeah, we should have more 90-minute Marvel movies that uh, use their short run time to have very few sagging bits. Or even when they have bits that it seems like they aren't completely willing to commit to, uh, a few of them in the middle of this movie, uh, we're pretty quickly out of that uh, time period uh, location, more specifically. And uh, then uh, we get to move on and have fun with our three leads and the chemistry between them. Because if you're going to be switching physical places, it's probably better if you're at least all aware of where the other people are. Uh, but I really enjoyed this movie. I think it has enough context in it that you could enjoy it, even if you haven't caught Miss Marvel or WandaVision. You probably have want to watch Captain America, and it would very, Captain very Marvel. Captain uh, Marvel. Also watch Captain America. Sure. What a fun yeah. film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Captain Marvel very directly will be referenced uh, in the plot. And um, I think it does a pretty good job of through flashback and dialogue because these three heroes also uh, haven't uh, either connected at all or not in a long time. Uh, but I think the one sort of hanging plot thing, if you're going to start being persnickety, is you might want to also have seen Guardians of the Galaxy, the the first one, and how they do space travel, because that ends up being somewhat connected to this I one's plot. I don't know. Plot. I, think, I think it's... I, I really don't think you have to see that movie. I think if you understand... If you've seen Stargate, I don't know. Like, like <laughs> portals if you're in space just, are just generally sort of, aware of space portals. Yeah, yeah. Space portals? <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Portals, uh, you know. <laughs> I think one of the greatest things that is directly caused by the physical swapping of bodies is Nia DaCosta, the director, manages to have some uh, pretty cool fight choreography where the geography of what's going on is very clear because they're switching while all simultaneously attacking, uh, which is two things that I really like to see in my Marvel fight scenes. One, because occasionally they could get geographically weird based on editing and how they're shot. And two, very often we find reasons to uh, not have everybody simultaneously attacking or being attacked. So the Marvels manages to sort of uh, bypass both of those potential bumps in its action photography. Uh, yeah, great beginning. I think a pretty thrilling ending. Uh, if I have any complaint, it is, I think the editing is sort of rough in the middle. And I think that the villain, Darben, although great for this movie, is uh, back to the old uh, sort of light villain. Uh, she's standing in for an entire people of uh, the Kree and does a pretty good job from there. But uh, also like Lee Pace, it's difficult to elevate the 
the leader of the Kree uh, to a, a big threat. She's way better than Lee Pace because the oh. movie opens. Well, no, in general, Lee Pace is the best, but like as <laughs> as Ronan the Destroyer. She's way better because the movie opens and she's surrounded by a bunch of Kree that look like Ronan the Destroyer. And you just get a minute to be like, thank God they didn't put this poor woman in like blue face paint and a cowl, but she can't move her neck around it. And like the things that they did to restrict Lee Pace being his paciest uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy, she has to deal with none of that. She only has like weird like metal stuff on her teeth. That's about like the most that she has to deal with. And and they like occasionally make her like bare her teeth in order for you to see that. That's the weirdest stuff. But she's unencumbered by that, but she is encumbered by some like space time mumbo jumbo, some space politics. There's like, there's some gobbledygook in this movie. I will grant you, but I completely co-sign what Dave says in terms of like, it's fun. It's 90 minutes. I think what's really clear given the, um, Delay of release is supposed to come out in the summer. Got pushed. I think what's really clear is that they they edited it. They just streamlined it down to like what is coherent. What are the bare bones emotional beats that we can hit? How can we keep things moving, 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 and light and zippy and still coherent? So like I don't think they cut any of the action because there's a lot of punching in this movie. Like relative to the non punching scenes, there's a lot of punching scenes. Um, and it's you know it's it's. I guess hard not to when you've got three different uh, superheroes plus a villain all uh, who have slightly different punching powers. Um, it's, it, you know, and and the swap gimmick that comes with their powers. Uh, it's kind of fun, but you have l- not that much in between <laughs> um, the action punching set pieces. Um, but what you have is really, really buoyed by Amon Vellani as Miss Marvel. Neil, you really liked the show oh, Miss Marvel, right? I'm a huge fan of Miss Marvel. Yeah. Very charming. Yeah. I think you're going to have a great time this movie because Amon Vellani is just like absolutely the rock star of this movie uh, with apologies to Brie Larson. Um, and and with an advantage to Brie Larson, we talked about this a bit in some of our anticipation of this movie that something about Carol, the way Brie Larson plays Carol Danvers that didn't work for people is that is like her stoicism. She's a stoic character. And that doesn't, as I said before, it doesn't bother me to have a stoic character as long as you've got something like effervescent for that stoic character to bounce off of. Like if you pair Din Djarin with Grogu. So if you pair the stoicism of Carol Danvers with the like giddy fangirl uh, nature of Kamala Khan, who's just like freaking out to meet Nick Fury or Carol Danvers or be in space or all this various stuff. It's just fun. It's fun. Um, so I had like a fun, fine time in the movies. There's stuff that drags. I think if Amon Vellani isn't there, the movie doesn't work at all. But she's there. Her family's there. Like the whole Khan clan is like in more of the movie than they thought they would be. Um, lots of flirkin based humor. I no no girl power pandering needle drops. I had a, a fun, fine time at the movies. Nice. I, I honestly feel like you guys hit like the th- three triggers for what will make me even more excited for this movie, which is a uh, brisk 90 minutes, good action choreography, and Iman Vellani being super charming. I feel like that's all I need from a Captain Marvel sequel. That's worth the price that we just paid for tickets for Saturday night. <laughs> um, as Dave mentioned, like, you might want to watch Captain Marvel, but they they definitely put in sequences at the beginning for both Kamala and uh, for Carol that were like previously on Miss Marvel and like previously on Captain Marvel. There's like an animated sequence for Kamala that like seems 
like maybe it was added in the edit and then um there's memory flashback stuff for Carol and then uh for Tiana Paris's character uh Monica there's just like a, a you know you learn everything you need to know about her appearance in WandaVision in like very cute funny uh, running bit and that's that's like really all you need to know you don't you absolutely don't please i beg of you don't watch secret invasion because it has zero <laughs> bearing on this movie despite the fact that nick fury and the scrolls are here um in this movie it has nothing to do with secret invasion and so we're all asking ourselves why did we watch secret invasion oh no <laughs> it's kind of like how people are still asking if anyone in universe has noticed the big uh, guy coming out Celestial, of the earth from Eternals. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> um, the other thing that I want to say is, and you've probably heard this buzz, but there's a lot that happens at the end of the movie, some, you know, mid-credits stuff, whatever. Just, like, keep your head down till you see the movie, uh, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, because people are going to want to spoil that for you. So, um, yeah, the Marvels, uh, on, a, on a grade scale, Dave, what would you give it? A to F. Uh, solid B that oscillates up and down to from B plus to B minus within the movie itself. Honestly, the the MCU could use more solid Bs. Yeah, I would say I would say same solid B. Occasionally, B at its heights, B plus at its lows, like C plus is where I would put it. Um, but yeah, I think we agree on all of that. All right. Um, well, that's our. I mean, there's not much to say about body swap. It really, it really comes down to those action sequences. The like, you know, body swap at all. It's not really a body swap. There is a body swapping training montage though, which is a pretty unique thing fun. that I don't think we have in any of our nominees. But uh, that's a that's a fun thing where they're all trying to learn how to time it out so that it'll eventually be beneficial in fighting. And uh, it's a it's a pretty fun little sequence. <laughs> To the Beastie Boys. So yep. there you go. Yeah, Another moment. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Please re-edit your movie and put one Beastie Boys song in. Uh, 2023 <laughs> Marvel <laughs> at the cinema has been Beastie Boys forward. It'll help. All right. Over to you, Neil. Nice. All right. Well, we've come to the top part of the podcast where we need to do some dismissals. We've also got a couple of really fun, nice try awards. And then, of course, along the way, we will be debating what are the limits of the body swap subgenre. Uh, but <laughs> let's start with our nice try awards, some that are definitely not making the debate for several reasons. Uh, the first one comes in an email from listener Eve says, I would like to nominate Orphan Black as a top-tier body swap piece of entertainment. I know the first thing you're thinking is that this is a show about clones, not body swapping. Yes, Eve, that's what I was thinking. Uh, but I have two <laughs> reasons why you should consider this show. One, Tatiana Maslany does what great actors do in body swap entertainment by making each clone feel like they are played by a different person. I would argue, two, I would argue that there is body swapping as these clones frequently pretend to be each other. So Kasima pretending to be Sarah is distinct from either Kasima or Sarah. While this is not traditional body swapping, I do feel that Orphan Black shows a more practical version of it where the characters actively embody each other, not through magical or scientific accidents, but through active choices. Uh, so I like this argument, even though it's a television show and we were looking for a movie. 
And uh, I always like to take an opportunity to shout out how great Orphan Black is, starring uh, the MCU's own Tatiana Maslany <laughs> in uh, the role that made me excited about She-Hulk. And probably the whole reason why I watched She-Hulk, uh, if I'm being honest, was Tatiana Maslany. So uh, Orphan Black, great show, highly recommend, but uh, correct that it is not necessarily about body swapping, but it is as an acting piece sort of in the neighborhood, right? Where it's like multiple characters from the same actor. And and sh- and Tatiana Maslany is so good at embodying those different uh, clones. But saying that his body swapping is the same as saying like the parent trap is body swapping because two twins switch places. You know what I mean? Sure. It's just, it's not. Sure. It's more role swapping. We're gonna we're gonna get into the many tangential subgenres of body swapping. <laughs> uh, the Marvels is geographical position bouncing, and uh, this is more role swapping. Uh, this this other nice try award this week is uh, none of the above, but it comes in a delightful email from listener Kate. Says longtime listener, first time writer. The kettle was boiling while Dave announced next week's episode, so I definitely heard best boggy swamp movie. <laughs> Is that even a competition? The internet would take Shrek all the way, no doubt. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, this week's topic is not best boggy swamp movie, but we <laughs> probably should add that to our ideas list because best find, boggy swamp. Finding one better than Shrek now feels like a challenge that I accept, but Shrek's a good pull. So, Empire those are our, Strikes Back. Oh, yeah, Empire. That's a good one. The yeah, let's swamp. do it. New, new, forget body swapping movie, guys. We're doing best body body swamp. Body swamp? <laughs> yeah. uh, the Beauty and the Muppet movie. Oh, all right. Yeah. Ooh, the Princess Bride with the hey. of unusual size, the fire yeah. swamps. Yeah. See, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna save this debate for for another time for sure. Uh, but back to our current debate and some of our pre-trial dismissals. We got many, many wonderful emails, including a couple of polls that I did not see coming, but makes sense to an extent. Uh, one of which is Jordan Peele's Get Out, which is a movie that includes some body swapping, not to spoil too much of the the twists of Get Out, but it's not really a movie that's about body swapping. I would say it's more about the dangers of if humans figured out how to do body swapping, like like a medical procedure, and what terrible things that they, uh, specifically white people, would do with it. Uh, that's what Get Out is. So it's, it's more of like a body swap against your will uh, type of thing. And a pretty good poll. Well, one that I did not necessarily consider, but makes sense to a certain degree as a body swap movie. I just don't think it's enough about body swapping. I love that you're the one that has to be this. this get out is not enough body swap for me, Neil Miller, who's about to take a big <laughs> swing here in <laughs> 10 minutes. Um, I guess I think I need to rewatch Get Out. Because, like, is it a swap? Or is it just putting the brains of a old white person into the young, healthy body of a black person, right? Sure. It's it's a one-way one swap. Yeah, one way. That's not a swap. That's a transfer. Sure. Right? Or it's it's a body takeover. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. A body yeah. snatch, one, one might say. Um, but, you know, there is a character that goes into a different body. So I can see how you could kind of get there. A um, couple of movies that fit the uh, prerequisite a little more closely, including The Hot Chick, starring Rob Schneider. And Rachel as, McAdams. And Rachel McAdams. And The Change-Up, starring Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds. The Change-Up being unique in the way that they swap bodies 
which is how, Dave? How do they swap bodies in that movie? Both pee and a fountain at the same time. Totally normal. Totally not based on any mysticism, which is great. We love to see it. Uh, but weird. <laughs> we also have the Age Swap movie, 18 again, starring George Burns as a grandpa who swaps bodies with his grandson and gets to be young again. I think the, the thing working against this movie is that George... Uh, iconic actor, George Burns, I believe spends most of the movie in a coma. So it's like he swaps bodies and then it's just like a one way thing. Um, I guess the grandson is in a coma. Anyway, it's been a long time since I've seen one of the three body swap movies of 1988, which is 18 again, starring George Burns. We'll talk about the other two shortly. Uh, We also got a really fun email from uh, a listener, Carol, who describes a scene from this movie as, quote, some of the best acting we've seen in cinematic (laughs) history, all caps on history. Wow, wow. We're, of course, referring to the very brief body swap scene in the 2002 movie Scooby-Doo, a film that keeps coming up on this podcast for whatever reason, (laughs) Uh, in which the characters of Mystery Inc. are thrown into each other's bodies, right? It's because of the, there's like the voodoo thing where all their body, their like soul orbs get lost. Oh, I've dear. watched this movie recently and they end up in each other's, their soul orbs go into the wrong bodies. Who's in whose body? I, I think they bounce around. Okay. Like I think Fred is in Velma and Velma oh, is phrasing. in okay. Shaggy. Um, can, I, <laughs> can I do a quick Matthew Lillard aside? Sure. To continue to track the Lillard songs, right? So, um, as Dave is fond of mentioning on the many MCU book interviews that we've been on this week, Five Night at Freddy's did remarkably well at the box office, right? That's a a Lillard joint. Um, But more importantly, have you guys seen anything about this unauthorized Scream musical? No. No. Okay. Currently in Las Vegas, and I almost broke my I'm never going to Las Vegas rule to go see this musical. And if they extend it, I might do that. Um, I've seen clips on Instagram and on TikTok, et cetera. Um, it's an, uh, this, you know, small theater company in Las Vegas has done the screen musical. They did a craft, they did a musical of the craft. Um, I think last year where it's all like pop nineties songs are the songs that they're singing. And the guy that they got to play, uh, Stu Macher, uh, Matthew Lillard's character, is giving such Lillard energy. It is out of control. <laughs> um, and um, so I'm going to do an imp- So he and Billy sing a song at the end of the musical when they're sort of revealing uh, their plan or whatever. And they, um, they sing, um, did we kill your mom? Yeah. Was it sexual? Yeah. And it's so fun. Like the oh, wow. whole thing looks Backstreet so good. Backstreet is back indeed. Exactly. So I like, I, <laughs> if anyone from it's scream apostrophe D, so screamed the unauthorized musical. If anyone from that is watching, is listening to this hail Mary, I would like to see your musical. Please don't close it this week, which is their plan. Um, I would. I will come to Vegas for this. I'm. I, I'm enthralled by this whole prospect. So anyway, fantastic. Matthew Lillard once again makes it makes it into the pod. We love yeah. to see it. Uh, our final pretrial dismissal is the 2020 film Freaky. 
which was submitted by listener Morgan, who described it as, quote, a fun, clever horror take on the role swap trope, Vince Vaughn doing his best to channel an inner female millennial, and more convincingly, Catherine Newton does her best to channel an oafish, regressive serial killer. Uh, This one is the horror installment in the, I guess, Freaky Friday. It's Freaky Friday-ish, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, we got multiple emails about this one. So I would say this is the, the toughest cut among the pretrial dismissals from our, from our listeners who, uh, who had some, some really good ones this week. So there you have it. Those are our dismissals. And now we're on to our own toughest cuts, which this is where it could start to get weird friends. Uh, so let's, let's start with Dave and his toughest cut of the week. Yeah. So I was thinking, what if we just drive Joanna insane. And not only (laughs) does Neil bring his pick, but I bring a similarly debatable if this fits as the topic pick whatsoever. Uh, And I was even buoyed by, if you just, you know, look at your various internet lists for best body swap movies, this movie has made a couple. It is uh, last year's Everything Everywhere All at Once, in uh, which a character... uh, her consciousness slips between her, her multiversal cells. Michelle Yeoh's Evelyn gets to sw- uh, slip into other bodies, as well as uh, Kihei Kwan's Waymond uh, gets to slip into other bodies. Uh, but they are their own bodies, just in different parts of the multiverse, which maybe, maybe isn't a swap, because can you swap with yourself? I mean, that feels kind of... Uh, weird but in terms of like good movies that have that are nodding towards this conceit uh everything everywhere all at once i think really got close for me because i still like that movie uh for what it has to say about uh, living in the current like informational saturation now and i think if uh there are a couple of body swap movies where the entire purpose of the movie is just a better understanding uh, either of a different class or a different family member or any such thing. And everywhere, everywhere, all at once definitely checks those boxes uh, if they were needed to make a body swap movie. But ultimately, I thought, why pull Joanna Robinson's ire to two people when I can (laughs) let somebody else take it? And so everything, everywhere, all at once is going to be my toughest cut, uh, even though... uh, Damn fine film. I'm sure you've seen it. Damn fine cup of coffee. Ugh, extremely good film. And really, it's the, it's a question of like, is another version of you from somewhere in the multiverse who has hot dog hands a different body than your own? And I would say, yes, there's probably enough difference in those two people. I would say this is so much closer than Neil's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, build suspense. Is, I would say... Let's say one, two, three, four, four being the furthest away and one being a true body swap movie. I would put this at two or from black at three. And then what Neil is about to try to argue later, <laughs> number four. <laughs> well, I think both both Neil arguments. When you have Kiwi Kwan like flipping back and forth between different Waymans, like, you know, within a scene or whatever, that's, yeah, I, I, I can see the argument. I see it. And they go into a rock, you know. I see the vision. Sure. I see it. A rock is it. definitely a different body than their original bodies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so uh, the the villain of that movie also seems to be, you know, 
everywhere all at once. Uh, so I feel like uh, it could have we could have maybe had an argument, but it, I didn't want to uh, lose that argument. And uh, I was worried that I might. So I decided uh, to pick something different for my ultimate choice. But here is the moment of time I get to be like everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. Good movie. Check it out. Daniels. Great movie. Also watched with Army Man. Yeah. Uh, all right, Joanna, what's your toughest cut this week? Yeah, I was going to pick uh, Jumanji colon Welcome to the Jungle, which I, I, we probably should have slotted back over on pretrial since I booted it out of here. Uh, it is um, in which four teens get trapped into video game avatars. It's not really swapping, though, because the video, there, again, it's like a one-way sort of transfer. But in terms of like the joy of a body swap movie, which is watching an actor like perform a character that is not themselves, it does have that enjoyment level yeah. to it. It is it's very funny watching Jack Black play a teenage girl. Yeah, it's delightful. More on Target is a movie that no one ever talks about, but I was kind of like obsessed with as a kid, which is a 1992 film called Prelude to a Kiss, which is based on a play of the same name, where Meg Ryan and Alec Baldwin play a liberal and a Republican who fall in love. Um, anyway, they fall in love. It's, that's true. They fall in love. Um, she's very nervous about getting married to him, though, and right before their wedding, she's, like, filled with all these, like, concerns, and she's she, she wishes that her life were already behind her and she'd already made all the decisions she needed to make in her life. And she meets an old man who wishes that his life were still, like, you know, laid out before him. And they have a little kiss, like a sweet little kiss or whatever, kiss the bride sort of thing, and they swap. And so Alec Baldwin marries this, like, old man in Meg Ryan's body, and Meg Ryan winds up in this old man's body. And it's, a, it's, a, it's like, performance-wise, it's interesting, but it's also, like, a really pretty beautiful story about love because Alec Baldwin, like, knows that that's not his bride and like seeks out the old man and is like, you know, the old man body that has Meg Ryan in it and stuff like that. It's, it's, I don't know. I love this story. It kind of haunted me for years, but that's, that is a traditional body swap. <laughs> I want your life. You want my life. Freaky Friday-esque swap um, that I think about a lot, but no one ever talks about. So probably to a kiss. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah. And a, a very traditionalist pick for this uh, particular debate. <laughs> Here we go. Let's All get right. on the train. Uh, but first, first, my toughest cut, which is non-traditional in just about any way a movie can be non-traditional. Uh, that is David Lynch's Mulholland Drive from 2001, in which, and listen, it would be difficult to spoil Mulholland Drive, but I also don't want to tell you too much, but there are two characters who experience life in opposite bodies. Uh, whether or not it is all being done on a corporeal level is sort of <laughs> a question mark. But that's sort of a question mark for anything David Lynch has ever made. So I think it counts. Um, again, a slightly more esoteric definition of body swapping if it's across space and time and or happening inside the blue box of truth. Um, but yeah, Mulholland Drive was one that I considered before arriving at my desire to have a big fight with Joanna. <laughs> I am so looking forward to this. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 
miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Well, I don't want to distract you guys too long, but we have gotten to the debate portion of our show. And because I won last week's poll with South Park, I get to go first, which I think is fitting, at least for an episode that we didn't have a gigantic history download at the beginning because guess what my pick's gonna involve a little bit of history <laughs> let, let me take you back to 1882 what? where <laughs> a, a uh, fantasy novel uh written by somebody using the pen name f ansley because his name was actually thomas ansley guthrie but we wrote under a pseudonym because this was a lark a little lark fantasy novel set in Victorian London times. Businessman Paul Bultitude and his son Dick Bultitude uh, both wish on a uh, magic stone brought by a uh, Bultitude uncle from India. And each one gets one wish and they use that wish to turn into the other one. At first... The older man, Paul, turns into uh, the boy. And then the boy, once he gets a hold of the stone, instead of setting things right with his dad, just becomes his dad. And that is uh, the plot of this fantasy novel called Vice Versa. It was popular enough in Britain to... uh, I think it has uh, four British film adaptations... Uh, the first one was silent. That's how long uh, we've been doing it. I think the uh, most recent British adaptation was released in 1948. But I will be picking the 1988 American version, Vice Versa, still titled Vice Versa. This one has Judge Reinhold as the father and Fred Savage as the son. They update the time placement to uh, be 80s centric. So the father 
doesn't have time for the sun because of business. And the sun oh, is business. <laughs> so much business. <laughs> the sun is a 10 year old heavy metal drummer. Uh, and uh, his parents are divorced. So we have, we have all these things that they have to learn how to understand about each other. And mostly I wanted to choose vice versa on top of uh, maybe some other body swap movies, not only because of its long history, it predating something like Freaky Friday, which a lot of people uh, think that original novel was just a gender swapped vice versa without any um, weird Indian mysticism. The kind of sad thing about vice versa 1988 is it does keep the other Asian mysticism, except this time it's uh, Tibetan monks um, uh, who have uh, this sort of, it's a skull uh, standee, a skull idol. It's made out of a human skull, but it's kind of turned upside down and has some cool production design on it uh, that very quickly is stolen at the beginning of the film kicking off the inciting incident of vice versa when this item accidentally gets shipped to Judge Reinhold in Chicago and he and his son are both touching it uh, when they wish, uh, one wishes he could be older, one wishes he could be younger and together the wish uh, swaps their bodies. Here's the tough thing. Because this is based on the 1882 one, which is maybe one of the earliest examples of body swapping. I tried to do like a body swapping of literature uh, back read and couldn't find anything on a precursory Google before 1882. It uses the original story thing, which is we watch Judge Reinhold's body turn into Fred Savage's body. And then we watch Fred Savage's body turn into Judge Reinhold's body. So when they switch back at the end of the movie, they decide to do it naked so nobody's clothes get ruined. Uh, one of the weird quirks about Vice Versa 1988, it's definitely body swapped, but the brains don't do anything. The physical bodies change into the other person's body. Uh, so that's a little bit weird. Also, because it's 1988, um, it is has a moment where uh, young Charlie in his father's Judge Reinhold's body uh, gets a kiss and uh, is attempted to be brought into bed by his father's current girlfriend. And you think things are going to get uh, a little bit weird, uh, but luckily they sort of interrupt it, even though it does end that sequence with the girlfriend kind of leaning into a kiss with Fred Savage before being interrupted. So a whole bunch of weird age dating things going on. But what else are you going to do in uh, 1988? Won't be our last. Won't be our last. <laughs> I promise you that. Won't be our last. What I can say about this 1988 body swapping film, there's a bunch of body swap movies that take place in this time in American cinema. Uh, we've already uh, dismissed 18 again. Uh, in December uh, 1987, uh, there was a movie called uh, Like Father, Like Son that has the exact same premise as Vice Versa, uh, but starred Kirk Cameron and Dudley Moore. Uh, it flopped because it is not good. I watched clips of it. Maybe it's good as like a whole piece. It's okay. But, uh, okay. You can I, say it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Um, uh, so uh, the fact that Vice Versa came out in uh, March of the next year, so not even six months, uh, not not even five months away from uh, a, a bomb like Father Like Son, I think maybe stunted its um, usefulness at the box office, followed up by another uh, movie we're going to talk about in, in 1988. But I do appreciate for that reason 
uh, Roger Ebert's review, having just uh, started looking those up again because I read uh, Matt Singer's uh, book, Opposable Thumbs, uh, about Siskel and Ebert. Uh, how Ebert's like, I almost didn't go to my screening of Vice Versa because I really hated Like Father, Like Son, and why would I want to see the same movie so soon? But within 10 minutes, the movie's uh, wild comedy incident uh, just took over, and Ebert said he really enjoyed it and laughed all the way through. So maybe you too will laugh all the way through Vice Versa <laughs> 1988 if you haven't seen it yet. If you have seen it, it holds a very special uh, position for people who like body swap movies, uh, especially a adaptation of Vice Versa that is not only the first American adaptation, but comes in between Freaky Fridays uh, so, and, uh, you know, stands up for one of the progenitors of the genre. So I present to you a thing that probably won't win, but I hope I make you watch it. 1988's Vice Versa. I haven't seen this since I was a kid, but I really liked it when I was a kid. Like we we watched this, I don't know, a lot, but we definitely watched it more than once, uh, vice versa. We were a big Freaky Friday household, though, like the Jodie Foster Freaky Friday household. So this is just sort of like, oh, and, you know, uh, yeah, Fred Savage and Judd Reinhold are really funny. Fred Savage is like a serious little businessman is like pretty, yeah. pretty they, delightful. Several <laughs> times, every time he comes home after they know the swap has been happening, he wants to have a martini. So there are several sequences with little Fred Savage being like, I can't believe the deal didn't go through and just like hitting the <laughs> martini. Uh, he's Fred Savage is the standout performance of the two as just like little serious businessman uh, who is forced to be a 10 year old. And when you when 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 you get the premise in the beginning of like I just love that eighties presence premise of like because this similar one in like Never Ending Story it's just sort of like I love you son but I love my briefcase more or, <laughs> yeah, you sure are nice child of mine but you're no stock sheets like it's just like so funny I got so much business <laughs> every eighties so dad is like a Gordon Gecko stand. Yeah, yeah, I must go to my greed, son. I'm just sorry. full of business. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. I think coming in next is based on uh, last week's poll. It's going to be Mr. Neil Miller with his uncontroversial choice. Well, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, time for the big reveal. Uh, and it involves staying in the year 1988. Uh, and it comes with, I guess, a personal story because... I wanted to try and figure out why this particular body swap movie spoke to me as a child uh, so so specifically. And it's because, listen, a lot of the other body swap movies out there are like, wouldn't you love it if you could swap bodies and learn lessons about some member of your family? And I was never that kid. <laughs> I, was, I was never <laughs> the kid who wanted to swap bodies with my dad. Uh, in fact, I was always described as a bit of a loner as a kid. And listen, before my mom fires up the text message machine to text me about this particular personal story, I had plenty of friends and cousins and a little brother who I'm very fond of. But I was always the kid who liked to play by himself. And Big, starring Thomas Hanks in 1988, is the perfect body swap movie for loners. <laughs> because it is not about swapping bodies with someone else to learn about their life experience. It's about swapping bodies with a version of yourself from the future that allows you to spend a few weeks trying out adulthood, which to me always sounded like a really cool, fun thing to do. Like, can I go be an adult for like six weeks? 
and then come back to being a kid. And Big fulfills that wish that I guess I had when I was a, a, a little kid. Uh, it also, in my mind, has all of the checks all the major boxes of body swap movie tropes. It is all. It explores themes of wish fulfillment. A character, a kid who just wants to be big. He is tired of not being able to ride the rides at the uh, fair. Right? He's not tall enough to ride the roller coaster, and it's it's really getting in the way of all of his uh, his romance game with other uh, children. I guess uh, there's a method of body transference caused by a plot device based on vaguely racist mysticism, the Zoltar machine, the fortune-telling machine. Uh, it's awash with kid-as-adult scenes, uh, even even going as far as to make Josh's sort of like vital secret talent, which is a theme that you'll see in a lot of these movies, which is like when you swap bodies, there's a talent that one character has that comes in handy in order to solve their, their situation. And Josh's talent is that he excels as a toy company executive because he's the only one that actually wants to play with the toys like a child. So he like moves up the ladder really quickly at the toy company uh, once he has transferred into his adult Thomas Hanks body. Uh, there's also a great physical comedy, a comedic attention played to the change in body. Not only does Tom Hanks have to inspect what's going on down there, which is a big body swap movie tradition. Uh, there's also a really funny scene where he tries to fit into his childhood pants and almost falls over. So just, just fun stuff. You've also got the in the know friend, which uh, Josh in this movie has. His friend is the only one who is knows, or I guess the only one who believes him. Cause there's that really great scene in big where as an adult, as Tom Hanks, he goes and confronts his mother and his mother like chases him out of the house. Cause she thinks he like kidnapped her son. And uh, it's the friend, of course, that is the only one that can bring him back to his childhood form. And crucially, among body swap movies, it involves romantic interactions with someone who is not body swapped and would probably not be having said interactions if they knew that there was like a child in there, right? Not to excuse. Crucially? <laughs> crucially, uh, there's weird romance stuff that happens in just about every body swap movie. I would also argue that among all the films we're going to talk about today, no other movie in this subgenre or any adjacent subgenres reaches the peak of joy that is the scene in which Robert Loja and Thomas Hanks play chopsticks on a giant piano in the middle of F.A.O. Schwartz. That is one of the great moments of cinematic joy that exists in our world. And then, of course, listen, if you want to get into, <clears throat> is our future body any different? Is that a different body that he's going into? I would say yes, because if you think about the, the way the human body recycles cells, we recycle and uh, replace almost the entire, almost our entire body weight every year of cells. So if you're talking about jumping 10 to 15 years into the future of your body, two things are true. One, that is a completely different body than the one you are inhabiting as a 13-year-old. And two, it's also more of an aspirational sort of thing because... I don't know if we're guaranteed that that kid is always going to grow up to look exactly like Tom Hanks does in this movie. His life, based on the thousands of decisions he's going to make across his years, uh, could turn out a little bit different. So I would argue that it is a completely different body that he swaps into. And I think, personally, it's an advantage that it's only one character swapping into. Because I, you know, as a kid, I was like, 
why do I have to, why would I have to switch into the body of one of my parents? I don't want to do that. And uh, this movie has the answer for me. So there you have it. The greatest body swap movie of all time. Big. Big is such a good movie. Remember when you're, do you remember watching when you were a kid? And did you ever try to like eat the baby corn the way that he does? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, a little, that's like, a good sort of typewriter up and down the corn. I mean, Tom Hanks was nominated for an Oscar for this it performance. Is it's such so good. A good movie. It is not a body swap movie. It is absolutely <laughs> not a body swap movie. Show me the swap. Where does adult uh, Josh go? There is no adult Josh in a little Josh body. There's no swapping. We're just growing. We've he just swaps into big. a theoretical form. Would be my argument. It's he like trans, it's, it's a trans. It's not a swap. There's no vice versa. There's no one thing and then the other. It's just his kid brain is now in an adult body. And by the way, not all of our cells regenerate. Our brain cells don't regenerate. Um, they regenerate like every fifty years. They don't regenerate oh, the same right. way the rest of our body take a little does. bit longer. So what Neil, what you're saying, Joanna, is a brain went into a different body. I'm saying this is this is just not a different body. This just like this is the old ship of Theseus. If you take all the boards of the ship away and replace them, is it a different? Is it not the same ship? Like, tell me, is your how am I not myself? How is my own body not my own body? I would also argue, just, and listen, this is anecdotal, just based on the way I feel about my body as a 39 year old human. Uh, it's a very different body than when I was 13. It can not, do different things. I'm not arguing has, that. That's that's a, that's a ridiculous argument. Of course, I'm not saying our bodies are the same they were when we were 13. I'm just saying little David Moscow, who went on to play uh, David in Newsies, by the way, um, just vanishes because we're not swapping bodies. Sure. We're just growing bodies. We're growing he only, bodies. He only lives in letters to his mom that he writes... Uh, as he's doing his business in the 1980s. Um, But yeah, I mean, to me, it is a transfer of body. Like, it's a different body. What you're talking about is a character swap, not a body swap. Like, two Mm. characters swapping. (laughs) But I think big still counts as a consciousness moving from one body into another. The body grew. His body grew from small to big. It's the same body. And then he... D grew. Yeah, then he shrinks. Of the movie. Yeah, then he shrinks. What did Elizabeth Perkins see off screen in that last scene? Is what we really need to know. Let's get Elizabeth Perkins on the line and say, first of all, how do you feel about committing a sex crime? Secondly, (laughs) what did you see? You you could you could see you could see it it happen to Judge Reinhold and vice versa. That's what it looks like. A big body becomes a little body. Well, and that's the question about big because it never really shows us on screen the transformation from one to the other. It's just like he wakes up the next morning and in his same underwear. In his same underwear, yeah, a new body in his same clothes. Same body, but bigger. (laughs) Did we mistake not having like Shazam as a pre-trial dismissal? I mean, there's an argument to be made that Shazam is also. Because it's two completely different. I no, mean, it's not two grown, different that's people. Grown up bodies, aren't they supposed to be their grown up bodies? In theory, they don't <laughs> swap into other bodies. Like all of those kids turn into adult versions of themselves. Here's here's the devious thing. Thirteen going on thirty is also under this umbrella. It's just an older version of your own body. So it's a you're you're saying it's an age swap, not a body swap. No swap. 
You're just growing. <laughs> well, you do go back in big. He's, he turns into an yeah, adult and then he goes back to being a, a kid. So he swaps. It implies an exchange, but there's no, there's no two parties. It's just one person growing and then shrinking. Well, see, that's, that's the great theoretical question is, are you the same person? You are in with like 15, 10, 15 years of difference in and your you life. You are. You are. Uh, not always. This, is, this circles back to the ship of Theseus argument. You are, you are always philosophically, metaphysically you. In this part of the multiverse, at least. All right. Here's is it my, my turn? <laughs> well, I, I want to give one favorite big fact uh, before we move on. Uh, did anybody besides me watch Transformers Rise of the Beasts this year? <laughs> his idea for the bugs bug transformers his idea for the bug transformers in big is the idea of the the beast transformers that then when they're adapted into a movie has the pete david character of mirage make a reference to the uh movie big and saying big is just a movie you'll never be a real boy but it uh, pete, the pete snake Davidson? eats its own tail yeah, sorry, Pete Davidson. Oh, they put Pete Davidson in a Transformer movie? They He's really the voice did. Of oh, yeah. Another yeah. reason for me not to watch Transformers. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, they went full circle with the Transformers beasts uh, by re- calling back to Big, the movie that guessed they were going to be coming sooner than uh, building Transformers, uh, which is not a, not a great pitch. Yeah. Yeah. I Listen, I just think that a theoretical version of yourself is a different body. I love that you made this argument, Neil. I see that you are uh, chasing engagement uh, on our <laughs> socials, and I thank you for that. Uh, very curious to see how it turns out. Joanna, what are you adding to the debate? Oh, you're staying neutral, Dave? Okay, I see. All right. Um, <laughs> well, at least for a little bit. I have picked, um, this was my emotional, sentimental pick, but also it happens to fit very tidily and completely inside the premise of a body swap movie. This is 2016, and, and it makes up for us not talking about, like, any anime last week. Uh, 2016 anime film, Your Name, that I've seen, I don't know, five times. I really love this movie. Um, it, I, and usually we don't read listener emails here, but my beloved producer from House of R, Steve Allman, wrote in about this movie, so I thought I'd read Steve's. Uh, Steve never writes in, so I thought I'd read Steve's email. Uh, Steve says, hey there, NYT bestselling author Gang and Neil. I would like to humbly submit what I find to be the clear, but admittedly not very well-known winner for the best body swap movie debate, and that simply must be the 2016 anime drama Your Name. Directed by Makato Shinkai, Your Name follows Misuha, a rural town girl on the south coast of Japan, and Taki, a boy from the big city of Tokyo. What begins as a charming body swap rom-com as the two switch bodies for weeks at a time as they go to sleep and form an anonymous partnership shared between notes and journals and their phones. Body swapping hijinks ensue in the form of helping each other with each other's lives as the girl occupies the boy's body. She is better with talking to women and getting dates, and as the boy occupies the girl's body, she becomes way better at basketball and picking fights with her father. But as the two begin to learn more about about each other, they they desire to connect and meet one another face to face. A series of events that I refuse. I am assuming he's sorry. This is Joanna. I assume he's doing his Prince Charles from the Crown impression there. I refuse to spoil. Unravel this simple body swapping comedy into a profound look into fate, love, time, space, and casually the very nature of love itself. I cry every single time I see this movie, and it's the one movie that I annoyingly attempt to force on all my friends willing to watch it. And I implore you three to watch this amazing life changing film. Love the show to the moon and back, Steve Allman. 
So thank you, Steve. Um, before I get into sort of like what I loved about the film, I know that our producer Carlos watched it. Neil, you watched it for the first time yesterday. Yeah. What was your experience? Well, listen, I was really confident in my argument pro big, but then I watched your name and I was like, well, this would have been easier if Joanna had not picked a literal cinematic masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) So congratulations. (laughs) You may have picked a better movie, but I stand by my choice. (laughs) What did you, what did you like about it? What, how did it hit you? It's, I mean, it's gorgeously animated. Um, It's this beautifully drawn story that I think does a really good job of keeping you guessing as to what exactly is the nature of the swap. Uh, that I found really interesting, but then it's also just about cosmic significance and uh, faith and belief and uh, small town life versus big city life. And it's by the end of it, <clears throat> I was a mess, like like a full on mess. It is an emotionally devastating, but heart filling movie, right? If your heart needs a top up, Maybe a little drain first and then a top up. <laughs> this is the kind of movie for you. Dave, how did you feel about your name? I mean, I love it. I think it does an incredible job. Uh, yeah, like Neil was saying, sort of hiding its premise, but keeping us uh, entertained scene to scene about what's happening. Even when you're, you know, kind of questioning why the swap is happening, even when they're questioning why the swap is happening, uh, you get great moments like, uh, you know, waking up with something written on your arm that you didn't write there or the assumption that they're having dreams that sort of like peels away once they realize what's actually going on. And then, yeah, at the very end, it takes all these things that could be, you know, could be a vice versa as far as swapping bodies. Uh, you know, your people learning about different classes, different genders, uh, and makes it uh, so much more emotionally uh, for for the, the the final. I don't want to say the final twist. The final reveals, let's say, um, are are really powerful. It's just an incredibly paced movie on top of how how good it looks. Yeah, there's just this like really astonishing sequence. Um between these two characters, not the end end, but like, you know, the sort of climax of the film. And it's just like, I sob through it every time. Um, our, our producer Carlos also loves this movie and watched it and was like, well, uh, time to sob while I watch this movie. <laughs> uh, fun fact. I first heard about this movie, um, on, uh, fighting the war room. Uh, David Ehrlich, I think was like singing his praises first and, that, you know, of David Ehrlich, famed fan of Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. What a, what a David Ehrlich-filled episode. <laughs> um, was singing the praise of your name, and so I decided to check it out. And um, Makata Shinkai, uh, after he made your name, made a film called Weathering With You, which I also really enjoyed. Not It's not on the same level as your name, but I also really enjoyed. And so I saw, I saw I dragged my friend Lydia to go see your name in theaters. I think we saw Weathering With You together. We definitely saw Suzume, which is his film that came out this year. Uh, came out in 2022, but I think it came here in 2023. Suzume is like Suzume pushes your boundaries of like what you accept from an anime. Like this, uh, your name I think is very Western friendly because I think we're familiar with like body swap stories or you know timey wimey stuff or whatever the case may be. Um, Suzume is like, what if this hot guy was a chair for most of the movie? Spoilers for Suzume. Um, I was like, I didn't know anything about it. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, 
oh, he's just going to be a chair. Um, and so, but I, uh, but, but it casts a spell nonetheless. There's something very spellbinding about the way that this filmmaker makes a story, weaves a story. Um, and I just love your name for, I love the idea of falling in love with someone who you've, I mean, it's similar to stuff like you've got mail or the lake house or whatever, like falling in love with somebody you've never met. So it's like sheer by sheer dint of like personality, but also just sort of like inhabiting their lives, like being on the innermost circle of their life, their very body. I mean, there's, there's like immature, but funny, but stuff of like a teenage boy gets swapped into a teenage girl's body. So like he's going to cop a feel, you know what I mean? Like there's stuff like that. That's all part of it, but none of it is creepy. And all of it is just like very charming and romantic and desperate and wonderful. And yeah, I just, I love this. I love this film, your name. Um, I'm so glad we got to talk about it. We did get a lot of uh, emails about it. So our listeners have very good taste. That's all I have to say about that. So far, we have vice versa, your name, and big. Joanna boldly choosing to step out of both live action and 1988 for her choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and uh, that means we have one spot left over. We've each picked a email from you that uh, didn't suggest your name because Joanna took it. And we have to figure out which one of these three candidates is going to take our fourth spot. I'll go first because I picked Larry, who uh, smuggled in three nominations to one email, which, you know, <laughs> if you can do it do it. Uh, one was he mentioned Get Out, which we've already pre-trial dismissed, but the other one uh, is almost a nice try award, but I'm going to include it uh, just so I can show you both of Larry's picks. So Larry writes, so easily the best body swap piece of media out there isn't a movie, but an episode of TV, The Tick vs. Science, season three, episode eight of the Tick animated series. Somewhere around 10 characters swap bodies thanks to Professor Chrome Dome's mind-swapping machine. Chairface Chippendale becomes the tick. The tick becomes a donkey. Chrome Dome becomes Chippendale. And Arthur becomes an eight foot tall walking tongue. And so that's what Larry has to write about the tick. I wanted to include that also because I don't think we pre-trial dismissed the tick as an animated show for adults and definitely should have because where did we get our pre-Venture Brothers superhero humor, if not the tick? Uh, uh, but anyway, Larry continues, actually in category this time. If it's got to be a movie, which it does, Larry, Larry nominates 1984's All of Me, starring Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin. Tomlin's mind gets switched into Martin's body, with Martin's mind still in it, leading to some of the best physical comedic acting ever put on film. My question to my co-hosts... Mm. Isn't this just what we talked about? Get out is actually technically not a swap because there's not a swap. We get a, a brain on top of a brain. It's like it's a, a body share. snatching. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's a twofer. It's a uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, yes, I think this is not technically a swap. Swap. If I have to hold the line on Neil, I gotta have hold the line on Larry. But um, but it is a great performance um, from Martin. Uh, you know, as you would expect. If one of the reasons for like a brain or body swapping movie is to elicit an excellent performance of somebody who's acting like something is severely wrong with them, 
Uh, Steve Martin definitely uh, does that in all of me. Yeah. Nice. Uh, listen, Dave, as someone who is very pro uh, movies in which one consciousness gets tossed <laughs> into another body as part mm-hmm. of this, I fully support 1984's <laughs> All of Me. Okay. Well, maybe it'll still make it through. Uh, it was definitely. <laughs> It was definitely close to uh, being one of my um, uh, picks, uh, but ultimately I decided to slide a little further into the 80s. Um, uh, Joanna, what have you uh, picked for our listener debate? It's got to be here. Probably both of them should be here, but we had to pick one. Actually, I don't think we got any nominations for the other one. Uh, So I'm going to go with Julia's pick of Freaky Friday 2003. Um, as opposed to the 70s version with Jodie Foster, which is the one that I grew up on. Okay, so Julia writes, along with the crazy antics that come along with teenage Anna having to pretend to be a psychotherapist and Jamie Lee Curtis confronting the petty high school English teacher, there's an important message about understanding that your parents slash children face real-life challenges, even if they don't seem immediately obvious to you. This movie is funny, quotable, and has a lot of heart. What a cast beyond obvious Academy Award-winning Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan. We get Mark Harmon in one of the few roles he did that wasn't Simon Donovan or NCIS. Baby Chad Michael Murray and Stephen Tobolowsky. Both Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis do such an incredible job of embodying their counterparts from Tess and Anna's body, constantly pulling Anna's friend's shirt down to Anna and Tess's body, explaining to a patient the nature of the patient's daughter's teenage drama. What is funnier than Jamie Lee Curtis talking on her Bluetooth and telling a patient you are smart, strong, beautiful woman, you don't need a man to complete you, and accidentally moving a woman at the deli counter to tears, only Anna's goth friend saying to Tess's boyfriend, Ryan, Mr. Dude, you rock. Uh, So yeah, Freaky Friday 2003, the consummate millennial body swap movie. Um, And what did we we decide? We we learned that like there's another version that came out after this. There was a TV movie before this. Mm Mm-hmm. There's like a Disney Channel original. And then Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis are talking about doing perhaps a series. Um, it's supposed to shoot like next year. But in the near future. We'll see. Yeah. They got a draft in before the writer's strike started this year. So still happening. All right. Neil, what you got? All right. Well, I have chosen one that I think is kind of competitive with... Uh, <laughs> with Freaky Friday, but we'll see. This one comes from our listener, Jeremiah, who says, while most movie body swaps are accomplished by vague magic, I contend that the best movie body swap is achieved through vague science. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can only be referring to the unbeatable face-off. Okay, technically this is only a face swap, but I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt because somehow all of their body proportions change once they get (laughs) each other's faces on. Nicolas Cage and John Travolta are at the height of their powers, giving truly outrageous performances and committing 100% to the craziness. The movie told you exactly what it was from the jump, with Cage arming a bomb, dressed as a priest, and then dancing through the building lobby in front of a choir singing Handel's Messiah before feeling up a teenage girl in plain view of everyone. That's before he body slaps, by the way. Uh, As unhinged as both of their performances are, both Cage and Travolta do a really great job adopting each other's mannerisms and behaviors and watching them opposite each other is so fun. On top of that, you have John Woo's trademark over-the-top action set pieces, and you have an absolute banger. Uh, First of all, Jeremiah, correct that face-off is an absolute banger. Uh, This does bring into question a little bit of the rules. Uh, Joanna, do do face swaps count? (laughs) 
I mean, I kind of, I kind of want to give it to Jeremiah only because he's absolutely right. It's like they swapped each other's faces, but like, the, but like I they mean, become the other person. The, the body, the bodies are different. They're so different. <laughs> they both like hook up with each other's wives. Yeah. So it's like, uh, I, it feels like a swap. It's a swap. This is a swap. This counts. Yeah. And listen, if you're looking for the more traditional view of like a character swap, two characters being swapped, this, this I think still meets it. And again, a lot of these movies are, you know, acting pieces, right? They're there for these actors to just go to town playing a completely different person. And Face Off, I think, reaches sort of the peak ridiculousness of that, which is two very iconic, so funny. you know, actor, action movie actor guys just basically doing each other. And, you know, the fact that the two of Phrasing, them have only yeah. become, yeah, the two of them have only become weirder humans since yeah. then. <laughs> Just, I don't know, it feels like an inflection point where they both just decided we can be anything in this world. When we did our cage match, our like Nicolas Cage uh, series, uh, I think I think I must, I think I said this at the time and I, if not, I, I feel like I've really decided this. I think this is my favorite John Travolta performance. All like right. Don oh, Travolta okay. doing Nicolas Cage it's, is it's so really funny. Something. <laughs> it's so a lot <laughs> that I just... I I can't get over it. I I, I do. I, it, this is so tough because, like, I I mean, I I don't really want to kowtow to like the Twitter people are going to yell at us because they yell at us no matter what because they don't actually listen to the podcast. Some of them, but like, I want to put face off in, but I feel like if we don't have Freaky Friday, that is a wild. It is like the one movie people think about when they think of a body swap. So here's what we actually need to do: is we need to play this as the game that it is and think about, like you're saying, Joanna, what, what are people who haven't listened to this very detailed breakdown about what this <laughs> genre possibly is? What are they going to vote for if they just see a list of four movies? Here's the thing that makes me worried about Face Off. Uh, it's going to drive, uh, it's either going to split or drive more people to kneel because Face Off won our Nick Cage match as terms of like our listeners' favorite, it won, it won the Cage whole movie. thing. It won. It won the finals. <laughs> face off. <laughs> I forgot that. So we Fuck already it. know we're not putting face off in. It's too big. We can't. We can't. No, it doesn't face count. Off. They're not swapping bodies. It's just faces. It's, it doesn't count. <laughs> it's going in the safe with Batman. Face <laughs> off. Put it Freaky Friday. <laughs> we can take Lohan. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm also willing to do Freaky Friday. So then you have, you know, big your name, and then male Freaky Friday, and vice versa, and female Freaky Friday, and Freaky Friday. So I think that's a that's a good balance. Uh, I don't think any of this benefits me, but uh, that's fine. Well, uh, you're, you're the one who picked a, an obscure movie from the same year that Bug, Big came out. So I don't know. Yes, it's a thinking man's big. <laughs> yeah. The body swap enthusiast's big. <laughs> of the pick of the 1988, December 1987 <laughs> body swap movies, of which if you count TV movies, there was a fourth 1988 body swap movie. But in between all of those things, uh, vice versa is the, the, the thinking Fred, the Fred Savage with the martini of that group. Um, uh, but I, I do think just in terms of if you look at the poll, we have Freaky Friday, Big, Your Name, vice versa, that uh, 
maybe something like Freaky Friday, your name, can take away from the uh, recognizability of Big uh, as we move forward. If Lohan can't, nobody can. <laughs> Who can? Sure. Most among us. <laughs> Un- unless there's some, you know, unexpected movement of people who are like, we all agree with Joanna, we're definitely not rooting, we're definitely not voting for Big, which I don't think is going to happen. I mean, if it's just the people who got this far in the podcast, thank you so much for listening. I'm I'm gonna guess you're gonna split your name. Uh, I don't know how many emails we got we got about it. What I will say is like I don't. Um, <laughs> our producer is is threatening all of you if your name doesn't put up respectable numbers. <laughs> um, I don't threaten you with what I don't know. Uh, an unreliable <laughs> letterbox. Uh, you will lineup. have disappointed Carlos, you which is not, a great crime. You do not want to disappoint Carlos. This, this week's letterbox <laughs> listing is just your name. It's just your name. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that. Uh, no, I don't remember what I was going to say. Oh, oh, I know that people. Not, I, I'm not here to make you go on Twitter if you don't want to go on Twitter. I understand why people don't like to go on Twitter. But what I will say is it does warm our hearts when, like, people in the mentions start, like, complaining. They're like, where's this? And we see one of you who actually listens to the podcast be like, if you listen to the podcast. <laughs> just just know that we always love it when you do that. So thank you for, uh, for caping for us. We appreciate it. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, we're going to grab so much engagement. Maybe we'll make some more people's Spotify wrapped uh, this 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 season. Ooh, forgot that That's was coming, coming up. up. Wow. Yeah. High hopes. Uh, I've, I've, I'm, sh- I'm shilling for the show since I don't think Vice Versa is going to pull through. But you know what, guys? <laughs> I had two weeks on top. I think that... Uh... Taylor Swift is going to beat all of us and everyone's Spotify wrapped this year um, with both Midnight's and, uh, you know, Taylor's version. Anyway. Um, Are you telling me she has a podcast I don't know about? Because then well, there's, fucked. there's Travis Kelsey's podcast and that, that I'm going to count it. <laughs> um, anyway, um, vote your name in this poll. Oh, we also we had someone email us asking us to have a place to vote other than Twitter. We do have places you can vote other than Twitter. What are those places? Well, you can find our poll for the best body swap movie on theringer.com, at Ringer on Twitter, and in the Spotify app where you find trial by content. Just scroll down past the description. You can vote. Not only can you vote on theringer.com and in the Spotify app where you find trial by content, but you could vote at all three of those places. If you deign to engage with the hell site, it earns you an extra vote. That maybe is the only thing you need to do. That's that's fine with me. Um, but you will be voting on the best body swap movie. And we are grabbing 2016's Your Name, 1988's Vice Versa, 1988's Big, and 2003's Freaky Friday. Please make sure to vote. And next week, we will announce the winner. If you want to see the body swap movies and or just Carlos putting your name up, go to letterbox.com slash trial by content. Check out our profile, follow us, and we'll talk about many more movies to come. Uh, Speaking of, what are we doing next week, Neil? Ooh, we got a juicy one because you can do movies, you can do TV. The only rule is it must be a prequel to some sort of pre-existing piece of media. We are debating... What is the most unnecessary prequel of all time? Make your case, of course, send an email to trialbycontent at gmail.com. Can I put like a really early bug in people's ear? Yeah. In December, we're doing um, our last trial rail of the year, and we're doing holiday movies. 
So you can start now submitting your um, idea. We're doing three weeks of holiday movies. Uh, you know, best and that's holiday all, movies, uh, not and, like worst. And, oh yeah, best holiday movies, and that is winter holiday movies. So you know, whatever you celebrate in the winter, that is what is going under that umbrella. We're not doing Easter parade or Valentine's Day or anything like that. Uh, if you put in New Year's Eve, I won't forgive you. But uh, winter <laughs> winter holiday movies. <laughs> Uh, you can submit them, trialbycontent.gmail.com. Does Die Hard count? We'll find out uh, <laughs> as we debate all through December. Did you like Last Christmas more than the multiple times we've made fun of it on this podcast? <laughs> Go ahead and write in. Now's your moment. <laughs> <laughs> Now's the moment for redemption. Email us at trialbycontent at gmail.com. This episode is produced by Carlos Cherubov. <laughs> <laughs>